Matthew's Gospel. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 28. So thankful to be here, stand before you. As I said, it was the first time as the lead pastor here at Taylor's First, a, a title that you have uh, honored me with and I hope to earn. And um, thankful, thankful this week, able to get to the office and work with our brothers, uh, Pastor David, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Jeremy, the whole staff has just been so welcoming and kind. Um, many of you have reached out. We're going to have to get another refrigerator because the food is there and there is enough and you brought food and you provided so many needs that we have had as a family. So we are incredibly thankful for all of that. But, but even more than that, um, your prayers have been felt. We appreciate your prayers. We appreciate, uh, you, uh, praying for us and turning us over to the Lord and as we transition here and look forward to the ministry together. I'm uh, ready to get to work. I'm ready to meet all of you guys. And hopefully if you can't come this afternoon, that's fine. I understand. We'll see you sometime. Introduce yourself. And for the first two years, probably say your name when you introduce yourself. I'm just, just kidding. I'll work quicker than that. As I was praying, you know, I kind of put a lot of energy into that, that, uh, first sermon, Revelation 12, and I was thinking it through. And then after that happened, uh, about midway through the next week, I was like, oh man, I got to preach again. <laughs> and so I thought that was it, but I'm here. And as I started to pray and started to think through what is it that we need to hear as a church, my mind kept coming back to the words that Christ gave his church as he was leaving and ascending into heaven, the last words he gave. And many of you know that term, Great Commission. What we see in Matthew 28, that's where we get the Great Commission and where Jesus tells his disciples what he wants them to do. And over the next four weeks, what I want us to see and kind of emphasize in different ways is the fact that Jesus really commissioned his disciples in every one of the Gospels. And each one of those has a different emphasis, if you will. So over the next four weeks, we'll be looking at those four, if you will, commissions that Christ gives to his church. And we'll be examining that and seeing what that means for us. But of course, the first place to begin is with Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. Dr. Paul Chitwood, the president of the International Mission Board, says... He says that uh, when the Great Commission is not the lead topic of conversation in our churches, we end up divided. And I believe that to be true. That what we as a body, what we as a church do is we rally together, we come together for the sake of our mission. And we can chase all kind of differences and we can try to please all kind of preferences. And at the end of the day, we'll run hard and we'll run fast and we'll burn out quick. But whenever we rally around the mission that Christ Jesus has called us to, and in fact, in the history, I'm sure looking back over Taylor's first, in the history of South Carolina Baptist Convention, in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention, we are at our best whenever we are laser focused upon the great commission of Jesus Christ. And so ultimately, that's what we are to be about here. The great commission is our mission. It is our task, and it's the reason why we are here. 
It's the reason why we have gathered this morning. It's the reason why we do what we do in order to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ and make more disciples. So that's where we turn this morning to help us understand who we are and what we are to do, our identity and our mission. I want us to begin first sermon here as your pastor from Matthew 28 starting in verses 18 and going through verse 20, a passage I'm sure is familiar to you, but follow along with me if you will. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning thanking you for your word. As your people, God, who've been purchased by your name and and bought with the precious blood of your son, Jesus Christ, we are thankful that you have not left us guessing as to what it is we are to do or who we are. That you have told us clearly and plainly in your word that we belong to you. We are your church your people sent to do your work in the midst of this world. And so God, help us. Help us this morning and help us every morning to be on mission for you, together, united for your glory and for your name. We pray all of this in Jesus Christ. Amen. This passage, of course, comes at the conclusion of Matthew's gospel. Matthew has presented his gospel with us, I believe, with with one main theme. It's it's hard to do that sometimes, just pull one theme out, but one main theme there, and that is that Jesus is king. That Jesus is king. From the lineage at the beginning of Abraham and David, his birth, his life, all the miracles he performed, all the teaching he did, his death and his resurrection, all of it has pointed us to the fact that Jesus Christ is king. He's king. Now, what do we do with that? In fact, it would have been easy if that was just simply what he wanted. If Jesus Christ was king, that's all he wanted to report here. In chapter 28, he could have ended it with the resurrection. Here's the king. He is alive. He's conquered death. He's conquered sin. He is alive and he reigns. But not there does he end it. He ends it instead with the words that the king gave to his disciples. Here's what you are to do. In light of who Jesus is, because of what he has done, there is a mission for his people to accomplish. Now, I would say, I would say that as we walked around this room, and I would hope, my prayer would be that as I ask each and every one of you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You would say, yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came to earth? born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, you would say, yes. Do you believe he he died on a cross for your sins in your place, not something he deserved, but something that you deserved? He took it for you. You would say, yes. Do you believe he was buried and rose again? You would say, yes. I hope and pray that every single one of you would affirm those tenets of the faith. But remember what we are saying. Not only did he come, suffer, bleed, and die and rise again, But now he has ascended to the throne and he's in control. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And if that's the case and we believe that, shouldn't it be the fact that we follow and do what he says? 
Oftentimes we live as some have called practical atheists. We claim that we believe the truths of the gospel, but we don't live them out. We don't follow after them. And that's what Jesus is coming to his disciples. All that you have seen, all that you know now, all that you've witnessed, now it means something for how you are going to live your life. You're going to live your life in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is king. And he calls his disciples together and he wants them to go make more disciples, he says. And in that, we are here today, tailors first, because saints of old from this day forward in Matthew 28, all 2,000 years till now have proclaimed the great commission and the good news of Jesus Christ. We are here today because people were faithful to follow the great commission. We are here today because they did not lose their task, but they maintained their task and kept it going. So now the ball is in our court, if you will. If we have received such a heritage of the Great Commission, and now in our season, it's our time, what will we do with it? Let's make sure that until Jesus Christ comes back, we remain here faithful. How are we going to do that? By uniting ourselves around the mission of Jesus Christ to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Three things I want to point out here from this passage. Three simple things. First is this. The church is under the authority of Christ. The church is under the authority of Christ. Jesus begins by stating this absolute truth here. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We understand God is the creator of the universe. He's the one who made everything, shaped everything, put it into existence. God spoke all of this out of nothing simply by the power of his voice. We believe that and we know that. And since God created it, God is in charge of it. He gets to determine what the rules are. He gets to determine what we are to do. He gets to tell us because he made us, he's in charge of it, right? In fact, we, we read earlier from Psalm 24. You know, lift up your heads, O you gates. That's the end of Psalm 24. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and those who dwell in it belong to him. And so we need to understand that this is God's world, if you will. And then the prophet Daniel tells us, the prophet Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 7 that there's going to come one whom the Lord, the, the ancient of days, as it said, is going to give all authority to. And this one came like a son of man, it says. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And when Jesus, after he had lived his life before these disciples, after he had shown them his glory through his teaching, through his miracles and everything else, after he had demonstrated that everything he said was true, everything he ever did was true by coming back from the dead here the resurrected Christ stands before his disciples and says that is me the one whom all kingdom and authority and dominion has been given is me that's me Jesus says and here if that's the true notice it says all authority on heaven and in heaven and on earth has been given to him not just the church, but how much more true is it for the church? He came for it. He bled for it. He died for it. He reigns over it. If all of creation is his, then by all means, this church is his. 
If all of creation belongs to him and he has all authority over it, then by all means he has all authority over this place. Christ Jesus is the head of the church. He's the foundation and the authority on which it stands. Now, I said this in the first service, so I didn't get in that much trouble. If it got away with it in the first service, I should be able to say in the second. All right? Okay, everybody good with that? When we consider this place, and as me coming in as your lead pastor, I need you to know that I work and operate under the authority of Jesus Christ our Lord. I also need you to know that you guys are not my boss. Didn't get as many amens, but that's okay. You may tell me that I, you, I need to shave, or you may not like what I'm wearing, that's fine, but I don't work for you. I work for Jesus. And by God's grace, you guys have asked me, as well as these other ministers that have ministered to us, to come here and use our calling and our gifts and talents here for God's glory. But my authority does not fall under you, it falls under Christ. And I promise you, I promise you, you would rather have me there, following after him, knowing that my accountability is not ultimately to you, it's to Jesus. Knowing the one I've got to answer to is Jesus Christ our Lord, not you. Knowing that every day I get up and i got to pray and trust in Him and know that I am nothing apart from Him and everything I do must be done in Him. And I can promise you, as I pursue after holiness, as I pursue after that, I can promise you that my desire is to be able to say to each and every one of you, as scary as it is to me, to be able to say to each and every one of you, just like Paul said to us, follow me because I'm following Christ. He's our authority. He's the one who rules and reigns over this place. The church, with him as the head, must do what he says. Not any man, not any other theory or idea or opinion. The church must do what Christ Jesus has called us to do. And friends, that is not a negotiable. In fact, it's not up for our decision, right? If this is Christ's church and we are under his authority, then we must do what he's called us to do. It's not something we can finagle out of. It's not something that we can look at and choose what we don't want to do or what we do want to do or nothing like that. It's not something we can get free of. This is Christ's church and we're under his authority. Then we must do what he has told us to do. And here's the promise that he gives us. You follow hard after me. You follow what I've called you to do and you will find success. For the gates of hell cannot prevail against Christ's church. For he has won it. He has purchased it. It is his and he has authority over it. And if that's the case, then point number two becomes clear. The church receives its mission from Christ. The church receives its mission from Christ. Look at what he says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Here he's speaking to his disciples, these 11 as it is now. He's called them together. He's got one last statement. And what does he tell his disciples to do? Go and make more disciples. You, disciples, are to go and make more disciples. You are to continue. And those disciples you raised up are to make more disciples. And again, we exist here today because all throughout the history of this world, disciples have been making disciples, have been making disciples, have been making disciples. And that's why we're here. As those called out, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is a disciple? 
Matthew 4, Jesus comes to them after he has already gone into the wilderness, after he has faced temptation and conquered it there. And now he comes out and he finds these men fishing and he looks at them and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In that phrase, I think we find what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is someone who is in relationship with Jesus Christ. A disciple is someone who's in relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, follow me, come after me. Here we have the relationship of a master and a follower, one who is going to learn, a teacher and a, a student, one who's going to learn from, one who's going to follow after. Jesus says, I want you to come and be with me. He's inviting them into a relationship, into a relationship. And that's the case. If any of you are here today and you know Jesus Christ and you followed after him, it's because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you have received salvation. Today, y'all, some of you may come and, and greet us, and I've already met so many of your names, and it's, it's so awkward at the mass, I get it, and it's so, so strange and all that kind of stuff. But wouldn't it be weird if you, if you met me and met my wife, Alice, and my kids, and then you went back and said, oh, guess what? I experienced Josh today. You see, Jesus is not an experience we have. He's not just some simple experience that we, that we have. He's not just something there. Jesus is a person who we get to know. And he's the king. And he, we here are his, his children and we are welcomed into a fellowship. And the father tells us that we can call him father when we call on him. This is a relationship that we are invited into. And if you're a disciple today, you are in a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. With that, that's not it, all of it. Not just that, someone who is a disciple, someone who's been transformed by Jesus. Notice what he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They were already fishing. He was going to change, change their, their uh, focus. He didn't ask him to do anything different than they're already doing. He said, we're just going to change what we're going after now. He says, I'll make you fishers of men. And if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you know that you've been transformed by him. You've been changed by him. And testimony after testimony that we hear of how Jesus changed our life is one of the most glorious things we can listen to. How I'm different than I was before because of what Christ has done. We recognize that if you are a disciple, it's one whose personal relationship who's been transformed by Christ and who finally is on mission with Christ. He says, follow me. Come with me. Let's go. And that, what he means then is we're not going to sit still. We're going to go and we're going to pursue it. How are we going to do this? We're going to do it by doing two things, he says. We're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, what does he mean by baptized? First of all, we are Baptists by true nature and identity, and we love that truth. So we know what it means to be baptized, right? Immersed into the water, dead in our trespasses and sins, raised up to new life, just like Jesus Christ. And who is it that are baptized? It's those who have confessed faith in Jesus, who have repented of their sins and trust him as the Lord and Savior. They're the ones who are to be baptized. And so what is he saying here when he says, go and baptize them? You don't just walk up to somebody, grab them by the head, and duck them. I mean, we could. That's what, you know, if we're a hardcore Baptist, we might. No, you reach them with the gospel. 
You tell them of the king who has come. You tell them of what he has done for them. You testify to who he is and what he has done. You testify to his goodness. And you tell them that he's never failed you. And he's always kept you. And he's always been faithful. He's so good to you. And you tell them that his blood shed is can be yours. And you can know the forgiveness that they're hoping for and they're longing for. And you get them to turn from their sins and trust in Jesus. That's how we reach them. You need to know as much as we think we're in the middle of the Bible Belt. You need to know that in South Carolina, three out of four people are far from God and not involved in church. Dr. Hollingsworth can attest to this. Three out of four. We think we're in the middle where everybody knows it. Three out of four people in our state are not involved in any church and they are far from God. The harvest is is there, brothers and sisters. Who's going to tell them about it? It's what the Great Commission is all about, but not just reaching them. It also says we are to teach them to observe all things. We are to teach them to observe all things. We reach them with the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and we teach them to observe all things. Now, Now, if it had simply said, teach them everything, then maybe you could look at it and go, all right, that's a couple classes. We can take some classes. We can go through the list. Here's all the books of the Bible. Here's everything Jesus said, and you can kind of go through all of that. But many of you know when he says teach them to observe all things, that takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime of learning and growing and following. It takes a lifetime of pursuing after him. When we're told to, to be to to reach people with the gospel and teach them to observe all things. We are called to invest our lives into people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And everything we do here, everything we do as a church must be filtered through the sieve of the Great Commission. Reaching and teaching. Bringing them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God today, if you're a child of God, then you are a disciple. If you're a child of God, then you are a disciple. And if you are still alive, which I hope everybody in here is, if you are still alive and you are here, then brothers and sisters, you have work to do. God's not done with you. And not only is God not done with you, the church needs you. The church needs you to understand the mission and task. The church needs you to set aside whatever it is that may be hindering you or stopping you. The church needs you to gather together with other brothers and sisters here so that we can advance the gospel out there. So the question then becomes, is this you? Are you a disciple? Have you met Jesus? You've heard about him over and over again. You've heard about what he's done even today. How he died in your place taking your sins. How he rose again conquering it. We sang it so gloriously. But have you trusted him? Have you given your life to him? Have you understood there's help nowhere else but only Christ can satisfy? Is that you? Do you have a relationship with him? Are you following him? Are you opening up the word to see what Jesus is teaching you today? Is that you? pray that it is. And I ask you, if it's not you, then today's the day. Christ Jesus has come. He suffered. He's died. He's rose again. And today is the day for you to trust in him and enter into that relationship. He's calling you. 
He's calling you to follow him. He's calling you to pursue after him. He's calling you. The Christian life is a journey. And it begins by following and trusting in Jesus with a relationship. You may have never done that. And I'm telling you, I'm urging you today that today is the day. The new pastor is here. There is work for us to do. Let's give everything to Christ. You may be here, but, you, but he hasn't heard from you in a while. Y'all know what I'm talking about. For whatever reason, whatever may came up, maybe you're one of them that's far from God. You believe it. You know it. You've even trusted in him at some place. But your relationship with him is not where it needs to be. Come. Many are like this. There's nothing to be ashamed of or scared of. In fact, in fact, there's more to be ashamed of in the truth that you may not even know him at all. Come. Unity at Taylor's First Baptist Church begins with each and every one of us understanding that we are a disciple of Jesus Christ and we're on mission with him. We're on mission with him. Third and finally, the church rests in the presence of Christ. He says right here, one of these most glorious and sublime statements in all of Scripture, I am with you always. What comfort is that to the believer? Really, it's everything. I tell you, every time already climbing these steps twice this morning to preach, I say, Lord, you better be with me. I've got nothing if I don't have him. And Jesus gives us this promise that we can't just let float by us. We can't just let it in. We can't just hurry to the end of Matthew's gospel and not read that last line and not let it soak into our hearts and our lives that Jesus is with us always. He never leaves us. He proves himself to be faithful over and over again. And I will hear, and I want to hear of your testimonies of God's faithfulness because it encouraged my own heart to know that not only has he been faithful to me and proved himself faithful, he's been faithful to you as well. And church, church, know this. Know that the church will not fail because Christ is with us. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Y'all know gates are defense mechanism, right? They're not, they're not offensive weapons. They're defense, weaponisms, uh, defense we weapons. You're setting up the gates. You're setting them there. And as Christ's people pursue after Christ and go into the world, those defense mechanisms have no power against us when we are going in Christ's name. The church will win because Christ has won. Because Christ has won. But here's my fear. Christ has never left us. He will never forsake us. My fear is that we may leave him. My fear is that we may leave him. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus is writing his letters to the churches, and he writes that last one there to Laodicea. And you remember what he says. Church, here I am. Standing outside with the door shut, right? You've locked me out. You're not using me. You are acting as if you are the church and you're doing all of those things. And here I am on the outside. And Christ said, that makes me sick. I want to spew you out of my mouth. And I've said this a lot. 
I've said this a lot, and I don't know who said it first. I'm not going to take credit for it, but my fear is not failure. I want you to know I need your grace. We may make some plans. We may do some things, and they not work. I don't worry about that. My fear is not failure. My fear is success. Success in things that do not matter at all. My fear is that we would give our energy, that we would use our time, that we would spend all of our resources on stuff that has no eternal value whatsoever. In a church this size, with this great of legacy and this great, of his, this great amount of history, this incredible story of faithfulness in this church, I want you to know it's quite dangerous for us. It's quite dangerous for us to think that we can go on about our business without Jesus. That we can plan worship without him. That we can set up programs in discipleship without him. That we can have events without him and eat meals without him. That we could do all of this stuff. That is, should be our greatest fear whatsoever. Our desire is to lash ourselves to Christ. To know that he is with us and he will never fail, never fail us. To know that we shouldn't be doing anything or after anything without his power and his presence. That first and foremost we go to our knees praying to God that he would be with us and he would bless us. That we would do everything he's called us to do for his glory and for his name. No glory for ourselves. No reason to exalt the name that we may have. Only the name of Christ is lifted up. And we will always be at our best. I can promise you this. We will always be at our best. Even when we make slightest of mistakes or the, the smallest of grievances, we will always be at our best when we remain laser-focused to the mission of Jesus Christ. We can chase many different things. My goodness, we can try to fulfill many different preferences. Everybody's got a preference. We can chase after that. We can try to fulfill that. But as I said before, we will burn hot and we will burn out quick. We will never find success until we unite under the authority of Christ and around the mission of Christ for the glory of Christ. And that should be our heart's desire. Let's do this together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For your kindness to us is evident and it should lead us to repentance as your word says. So God, we thank you for this opportunity. Opportunity to gather together and worship and sing with other believers. An opportunity to open up your word and hear it proclaimed. Father, your word is good. An opportunity to exalt the name of Christ. Lord, let us take not any opportunity for granted where we get to exalt the name of Christ. Father, we pray for those here who may not know you. I pray, Father, that you would show yourself to them even now that they would repent of their sins and turn to you. And I beg, I beg you, Father, to show them you in all your glory and splendor. That today they will follow after you. Even if it means coming up front in front of all these people, Father, let them come. Give them the courage to know that you are everything. I pray for those who are here, Father, who may be far from you, that you may not have heard from them lately. I pray that even now they cry out to you. 
knowing that you are closer than their fingertips. You've never left them. Father, I thank you for the saints here who've been faithful so many years. And I pray, God, that we recognize as long as we are here, as long as we have life, we have work to do. Father, be with Taylor's first. Help us to exalt the name of Christ and be on mission with him. And let that be what unites us. Teach us every day these things, Father, as we seek to reach those around us with your good name. All of this we pray in our Savior's name. Let's stand together and sing.